everything's bigger in Texas, including climate change. That's why Houston is leading the energy transition. Here in H-Town, the fourth largest city in the United States, entrepreneurs from across Texas and around the world are gathering to work with titans of industry to build the technology that will reduce emissions and power a low carbon future. We sit down with those change makers and wildcatters who are solving the toughest energy challenges. With trillions of dollars on the line, we dig into how Houston will bring technology to market on a massive scale. Join us as we talk with the leaders of the energy capital of the world as they show us how the energy transition gets done. I'm Laura Cottingham, and this is the Energy Technology Podcast. And I'm Jason Etier. Let's jump in. Welcome. Super excited today to have Evan Erickson uh, with us. Evan is the CEO of TextPower, a company commercializing cobalt-free lithium-ion battery technology that's higher in energy than other technologies without sacrifices to safety, cycle life, or compatibility with existing technologies. Also, huge shout out because Evan has done um, postdoc work and spun out of UT Austin. I went to UT for undergrad and business school, and so always excited to see Longhorns getting into the climate tech space. So thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you very much. It's uh, it's really great to be here. Yeah. Um, tell, tell us why it's important to be cobalt-free. Uh, well, okay, so cobalt, uh, currently all uh, high-energy batteries you know, use um, cobalt in them. There's, there's cobalt-free alternatives, but they're lower in energy. But cobalt's a huge issue because it's it's mined primarily in Central Africa. Um, it's costly. It's not prevalent through, throughout the world as much as, as other metals such as nickel. Um, and so uh, it's a huge supply chain issue. Um, China bought up a, a lot of the mining. Actually, they refine more than 80% of the cobalt that goes mm-hmm. into batteries. And so, you know, there's, we've seen the supply chain kind of crash out these last few years. Uh, and, and so, you know, it's very much on on everybody's mind as we go into the future. And as, as we grow um, the EV industry, there may not even be enough mm. uh, cobalt to supply unless there's changes to cathodes. And so that's why, you know, we were working on low cobalt cathode materials at UT Austin. And and conventional wisdom is that you need cobalt for them to, to operate. Um, but we saw that it was working. And so we were surprised, I said, wow. Um, and then we, we tried uh, without cobalt and it was still working. So we thought, wow, this is a huge opportunity. And we decided, okay, it's in the lab of Professor Arumugan Mantaram, um, and then also co-founder Dr. Wanda Lee is the lead inventor uh, of the material. Um, and so we decided to make a company and spun it out. And you know, it's been a, a crazy and wild tumble ever mm-hmm. since. And, and uh, yeah. And how did you decide, like now is the time, like the technical risks had been uh, overcome and you had to do it today? Uh, I mean, actually, it, it, a lot of it came to, to funding. Mm-hmm. So if you know these uh, small business investment uh, research grants, SBIRs, uh, so we, we we made the company. We we first we got a, a large DOE grant for academia to, to fund it. Um, and then that kind of initiated the research. We'd been working on it before. Um, but once we got the SBIR funding, then we could actually, I could afford to quit the job and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, um, you know, try and do it and, and you know, want to continue working at UT. And then we sort of had a um, collaboration for the between the two companies, and then later on got more funding. It got the phase two, and then a DoD grant um, uh, for prototype actually development, uh, an OTA. Uh, we don't want to get into all the different <laughs> contractual mechanisms of the mm-hmm, DoD. It's, mm-hmm. It gets messy, but yeah. but yeah, it was a acronyms galore. Yeah, other transaction 
the other transactional authority, I believe it's called. Yeah. So it's, that's another podcast. I think <laughs> I a whole be. other podcast just on acronyms all day long. And yeah. So. <laughs> so let's get a little nerdy. So like, it's it's not like you just have like this cathode material and say, I'm, I'm going to take the, the, the cobalt out. What is the you know, science that allows us to do this that, that just didn't exist before mm-hmm. when you say you're kind of manipulating material, kind of walk us through it. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, just a background on, on cathodes. And so cathodes are, are the most expensive component of lithium ion batteries, about 40%. So they're, they're very important for, um, you know, for the battery and that's primarily the, the cost is primarily in the metals themselves. Mm-hmm. So production costs, maybe 7% of the, of, of the cathode, uh, which is good because then Production costs are not large. We could make them in the U.S., you know. Um, uh, but the issue with with uh, cobalt is that it started off the, the initial cathode that Professor John Goodenough had in, invented. Um, that's where Professor Rumagan Mantram, our co-founder, uh, longtime colleague uh, of his, and worked in his labs since Oxford, and then uh, at UT, and then became a professor. And uh, you know, very good relationship. Even gave the Nobel lecture for him in 2019 for. And, and, and to be clear, yeah. the, the the first gentleman won a, a Nobel Prize for inventing lithium ion yeah. batteries, essentially. Right? Yeah, him and uh, Yoshino, and then um, mm-hmm. uh, um, in, in New York, now Binghampton. I'm I'm blanking on the name now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so so um, yeah, it, I mean the conventional wisdom. Then you need you have the lithium cobalt oxide, and so people decided that okay, we're gonna start mixing. Um, nickel, uh, and manganese was, was kind of first you mix, uh, with a nickel cobalt manganese cathode, and then also a nickel cobalt aluminum cathode are kind of two different, um, types of materials that are, are, you know, commercially viable for EVs. Mm-hmm. And that's what they use right now. Mm-hmm. So for high energy EVs, there's a cobalt free one, this lithium iron phosphate, but that's a lower in energy, uh, system. So it's good for short range, but maybe for the U S market, uh, the high energy, materials will be preferred. So uh, they would replace the cobalt with this nickel uh, and, you know, sort of in a stepwise fashion and slowly increasing it. Because if you have pure nickel, there's bulk instabilities and service what, what instabilities. What does that mean? Um, so, yes, yeah. Uh, so you have a certain crystal structure uh, for these these battery cathodes. Um, it's, it's a layered structure. And w- what happens, you can make a rock salt s- structure where you, you've it's not no longer layered. You have a lithium layer where they can lithium comes out of the cathode mm-hmm. material and then it goes back in uh, during the cycling. That's literally the ion uh, yeah, piece, yeah. right? Like the, the the things are moving around as as the battery discharges and charges. Yeah, yeah. So so lithium is actually just a charge carrier. Mm-hmm. It's not uh, what, what's oxidized and reduced are the either graphite at the anode or or uh, you know this, these transition metals, so mm-hmm. so cobalt or nickel. Um, and so so what they do is they replace. Uh, the cobalt in kind of a piecewise, stepwise fashion, you sort of, uh, you know, get to, you know, 50%, uh, 60%, 70%, 80%. And and that's how the industry has been doing it. And so there's the two types of cathodes are nickel, cobalt, aluminum, and then, and like Tesla, the original batteries were this, this type of chemistry. And then um, NCM is nickel, cobalt, manganese. Mm. So if you smash them together, you take out the cobalt, then you have nickel manganese aluminum and that's our core technologies mm-hmm. and and you know the the conventional wisdom is that you can't it's really difficult to synthesize um without the cobalt in there that was, that was the thoughts and a lot of it had to do with you know you know synth- synthetic control and so if you you look at the old papers the the for lithium nickel oxide 
the energy densities are way, mm. uh, you know, one reports 120 milliamp hours per gram. And then, um, you know, another one reports 200 and, and uh, you know, all over the place, 80 milliamp hours per gram. So it's, and, and this, this specific energy is, is, you know, how you measure it by mass, how much okay, mm. there's a voltage that you multiply it by as well. But uh, yeah. um, so if everybody thought, okay, it's too difficult to synthesize. Um, and so then that's why you add these other, other metals that, that can improve the synthesis. And so we would, you know, based on, in ROM's lab, you know, how you make these cathode materials is, uh, um, you do co-precipitation and calcination. So it, it's very, very difficult synthesis technique. Actually there's in North America, there's only, uh, apart from Pro professor Montheram's group, there was only, uh, Jeff Don's group in, in, uh, Nova Scotia. Um, that, that do this and he does it at a smaller scale. People are expanding now, but you know, usually what people would do if they want to work on a cathode, uh, you would purchase commercial cathodes that's already synthesized and you, you dope it a little bit, but you don't, you don't change the core composition. Mm -hmm. And in, in Europe, they had, uh, BSF, they, they fund almost every research group and for, for cathode materials. And so I, and I, even I was working in, in Israel, uh, at the time for, for postdoc and, and we were working on BSF materials. And so they say, okay, you can do whatever you want with it, but you're working on BSF materials. So it's sort of stifled research, you know, mm -hmm. and, and of course there are groups that don't, don't do that. And, and, you know, great groups in, in Europe, like Tarascon and, um, and, and many others, but, um, you know, for the most part th that controls the, the, what people focus on is money. So what you're saying the history of this company is really interesting to me that conventionalism and most of the industry is going this way. And you guys were like, no, let's, let's prove them wrong. If everyone says go right, we're going to go left. Like, what was that like? Isn't that a little bit scary, daunting? You must have like good risk tolerance and adventure. Mm. I mean, for us, it was fairly low, you know, financial risk at first. We were as an academic group, you know, so we can, of course, they want you to kind of leapfrog what's going on right now and and the doe recognized this this looming problem uh mm. with cobalt and so they funded us uh, very well and so uh, and then once we formed the company mm -hmm. they knew who we are and and we've have the bona fides and uh, whatnot and so you know to jump ship and say okay i'm gonna try this for a year uh my wife okay i got a salary honey she's not gonna <laughs> You know, we had a six-year-old at the time, so I don't know, three-year-old now, six-year-old, I yep. think, or yeah, maybe two at the time. I don't know. But in, in, in terms of where the company is today, like if I remember, if I recall, you've, you've raised uh, uh, millions of dollars, um, and and you're actually building a, a facility right up here on Brentmore, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so just down the road. So it's uh, I didn't know about uh, this part over here. You got such a beautiful facility, yeah, and it's uh, you know part of the great Houston scene. But um, yeah. yeah, tell us about what you're building. So. You know, after spinning out the com company, you you start off kind of gram level synthesis at in laptop, you know, benchtop uh, chemistry, and so the next step is you got to get to kilos because mm -hmm. you got to sample people, uh, you know, customers. We make the cathode, we need somebody to make the cells, and so if you uh, you find a partner um, that make the many different cell manufacturers, I shouldn't uh, got NDAs, I can't uh, disclose <laughs> stuff. Uh, Okay, so public stuff is uh, we worked with 24M on a, okay. on some projects, Good. And, and so uh, that's one for example. So we, say we give uh, you know 24M, we make the best cathode material that we can make, highest energy density, and we give it to 24M, who has this ultra high energy density style cell. They put that in there, and we get 
you know, record-breaking energy densities in our, in our cell designs. So, for instance, we were made something more than 500 watt hours per kilogram. Mm. The current current batteries, commercial batteries, like 225 yeah. watt hours per good. kilogram. So, that, I mean, it's proof of concept. Don't put that in a car right now, guys. <laughs> You're gonna, and I, I wouldn't put my my yeah. family on, on sitting on top of that, you know. But uh, but it's it's doable. And then and there are ways. Then the the next steps. How do you stabilize that? You know, how do you, um, you know, make it safer? How do you, you know, and so that's one avenue for uh, kind of niche products that we're going towards. And, um, and I think the thing that's challenging here and, and why you're kind of speaking hesitantly about a production is batteries sometimes catch on fire and, mm-hmm. and safety is such an important piece of, of making these things commercial. And, and I know one of the, the value propositions is you um, remove the cobalt and it's still safe. Mm. Right. But there's a lot of steps to to get ready for production. We have to validate uh, safety. Right. Yeah. And, and we can we tune the material. So that, that's, mm. you know, for for that is a ultra high energy design. Now, the the, the applications for that, like such as EVs and we're working with some automotive partners, uh, we're not giving them this cathode material because that's not, you know, that's they're not interested in that. That has to be uh, 24 hour. The project was the DOD. They want to see the. A prototype with the highest energy density possible, and then we we will go from there. Whereas EVs, you, you okay? Of course, it has to be uh, safe. So you you usually the, the sacrifice is uh, you know cycle life and safety are, are, are pretty much correlated. Hmm. So you you sacrifice some energy density, you get a more safe and uh, longer life hmm. uh, battery. So cycle is you charge and discharge. That's a cycle. Um, so that's sorry if I'm throwing out nomenclature, guys. No, so, no this is perfect. So, let's talk about crystallography and uh, R3RM. Uh, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, so okay, well, not to the engineer here. I have so many questions, but I'm I'm really interested in like just this idea of saying we're gonna like find a different way to do something that everybody else is doing one way. That you're doing it in Texas, amazing. Texas gets a ton of energy research. Texas universities get a ton of energy research. You don't see that many startups coming out of Texas universities because that research goes traditionally other places. Like how you talked about how like you got funding from the DOE. What made you say, hey, we're going to spend this out? I mean, actually, the, the I mean, it's true that Austin is, is uh, you know, behind in the Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley is the model that they're exporting mm-hmm. To create all these startups, and and when, when I went to did my PhD at Illinois, never even thought about a startup. Why would you? How could you make your own company? It's mm-hmm. you know, um, but but in Austin they have a, you know this office of technology commercialization, uh, and they're you know working towards building you know a community there, and and and, and so it you know they kind of came and talked to us like okay you've got these ideas for it has huge commercial relevance uh, you know. You, if you make a patent and you you spin it out, there's funding here. Here's how you get the funding, and funding is available. If you guys want to make a startup, you can message me too. I I've, I do doing grants is like if you know how to write a grant, that's how you can you can seed your company. Mm. And there's so much money out there for it. The, the they require for these SBIRs uh, a certain percentage from every every um, you know every part of the government. And so the DoD, DOE, mm-hmm. EPA, uh, NSF. They've all got SBIR funds, and they come out with these calls on like a quarterly basis, and just all every single agency, and mm. they all work differently. They all have different rules, and it, it gets messy. But you can find a call that matches your technology, and 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 that's what the, they helped us do. 
And so the University of Texas came yeah. to you and said, ooh, you're doing battery research. We like this, mm. right? Do you think that is because batteries are like one of the biggest topics, technology areas of our time right now? Yeah, I mean, they're nurturing other technologies, but but certainly, I mean, it's a good time to be in the battery business. They I, came to you with I, dollar signs in their <laughs> eyes. You're like, ah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's – you know, right time, right place mm -hmm. is a huge factor in, in all of this. I, 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 you know, as a young, mm. uh, family, you don't think, oh, I'm going to, uh, let's, it's a good time to, to start a company, you know? And, mm. and so, you know, I guess if you're listening to this now, maybe you're thinking about it and, and it's definitely something I would suggest is it's a crazy tumble. You don't know what you're doing most of the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and you find out, uh, you know, as you go, so you have problems. And, and the thing is about networking and what I like about the community here, I, you know, with you guys is there's the ION, Greentown mm -hmm. Labs, and, uh, you know, here in the Canon. There's a huge network in most cities. Houston is is very deep with and with funding and with, and if you want to do a real tough tech or whatever you want to call it, like real make something, Houston's the place to be, mm -hmm. you know. Um, we always joke, Austin, it's great. I don't want to, don't want to, you know. But uh, it's for dating apps. If you want to make, <laughs> okay, <laughs> you you said words. this, not me. Although I have said that exact uh, analogy. I've made that analogy before, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I went to UT for undergrad and grad school. Um, when I was in business school, I remember seeing the folks who were studying entrepreneurship on the other side of the auditorium and being like, I have no idea what they do. I'm over here with the energy finance folks, right? Because in my mind, like that was the energy industry. Mm. So tells you I went to business school a while ago, but I think like what you just said right now, um, it's like a little bit of like a, a wild ride, but it's a really good time to be on that ride. And that this is part of what we have to do is change the narrative to all of the future energy leaders is that, you can go work for the energy majors, the incumbents, the companies that we all know, but you can also go start your own company. And that is just as important and impactful and lucrative potentially, mm. right? And that we need that new technology. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that. But then I also love that you said you ended up in Houston um, and that there is such a difference in starting a dating app <laughs> uh, and, and starting an energy company, right? Like just... Mm. Not even apples and monkeys. Like we're not comparing <laughs> even apples and oranges, right? Mm -hmm. So how how did you end up in Houston? Well, uh, if I'm totally honest, my wife got a job at BP, mm -hmm. and uh, so, but uh, you know that that said, and my co-founder at the time was just us two, and he was saw that I was you know drowning in, in diapers and and because I had my daughter, because I had the the you know she had the real job, yep, and so for a year we were in, in Austin still. And struggling and and uh, trying to start a business when you have a, a three year old is is pretty brutal. And so mm -hmm. he was kind enough to come with, and and we made it here. And it, but you know, to be honest, I, at the time, Austin's infrastructure for and it's getting better. So I don't want to say I made a joke about Austin. Austin's great, guys. So I don't mm. uh, don't send hate mail. <laughs> I, also, I I was postdoc at at UT, so you know, uh, maybe the A and M guys are like, hey, you know, <laughs> but uh, so. Um, yeah, I mean, like trying to find like fume hoods. Mm. Fume hoods are if you want to have a chemistry based, you know, startup, you need a fume hood. And so, if you only have a, a two hundred thousand dollars from an SBIR, mm. uh, 
that's not enough to build your own lab. You got to have some infrastructure there that you could rent. And 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 Houston with the oil and gas sector here, I mean, this is a chemist's playground. You got mm. uh, at UH they have the um, Schlumberger had donated their whole campus to the, to the university, and they're turning it into startup space. It's called the Technology Bridge, and you can rent space there. And and there there was that's where we ended up going. I um, to, to build space. And I know uh, Green Town Labs has some uh, chemical space and they're, they're, they're building it out. To the, uh, also one of the medical places. Uh, mm, so, TMC. Yeah. yeah. So there, there, there's here you've got it and you've got all kinds of, I think Halliburton Labs is building something and, and, and people know how to do chemistry here, you know, and when we're looking for employees, you know, we, we scoop somebody from KBR that's a process engineer, you know, we, cause of course, I'm a benchtop chemist. I don't know what I'm doing for scaling up. And, uh, you mm. know, so you can get, get people that actually know how to do industrial scale manufacturing. Like this is, this is what we need, you know, and, and it's in Houston. And so it's, there, there's money because of the oil and gas. That's important. There's all kinds of great talent here and there's a great community. So I think, you know, okay, I moved because my wife came down. I, no matter what, that family is more important than anything. Right. But, but uh, it's been a great great uh, mm-hmm. decision to, to move down here. It was meant to be. Oh, yeah. yeah. This mm-hmm. is, the chemistry gods were pulling you this <laughs> way. And, and, and I was, I'm hearing you on the cost, right? Like I, I was meeting with an entrepreneur in the Easton Maker Hub. They were building, I think it was one fume hood and a bunch of benches, and they had budgeted $110,000 to build this thing out. And when you say you have a $200,000 grant, you don't even have enough left over for payroll after that if you have to build your own wet lab. Yeah. So that's it, it's definitely fantastic to have those resources here in the city. And, and you ended up at TechBridge, right? That was yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, and, and how was that experience over there? Oh, great! They they've got such beautiful facilities. Mm-hmm. It's almost you know it's huge, huge. It's almost brand new. I mean, now we've kind of we've kind of grown out of it, and we you know we we expand a bit too much. So we're getting some okay. Mm-hmm. Come on, guys! It's time to we got a new new crop that has to grow in. Yep. And uh, so um, yeah, so then we're we're actually building the lab right here on Britmore. Um, and a, a pilot, we've got a three ton, uh, per annum production facility. That's, uh, that's going in. Well, should be okay. Equipment delays, equipment delays, COVID, all that stuff. We're getting stuff from equipment from China and, uh, but yeah, March, April, mm-hmm. uh, timeframe we'll have a operating lab just up the, up the road. Uh, always looking for, for chemists, for, for engineers, for, um, you know, so you can look on our webpage about that. Um, and then, yeah, next, uh, so this spring we're looking to raise for, uh, uh, the hundred megawatt hour production facility to put that in framework. That's about 17,000 cars. Um, so worth of cathode. So, so. so you gave me a couple of numbers. So you just said three tons per year and mm-hmm. then you went over to a megawatt hour. So kind of put those in the same, you know, dimensionless, yeah. you know, matter for me. So uh, three tons is uh, two megawatt hours of cathode. Okay. So five times bigger. Yeah. The next one. Uh, 50. Yeah. So oh, yes, <laughs> um, yeah. So the, the this scale, it's not quite EV scale, mm. the the size we're building, but for niche applications, you know, you've got DoD applications, uh, you know, drones, power tools, uh, electric toothbrushes, all kinds of different mm. things that uh, require high energy uh, batteries, and so the, uh, and then you can charge a bit of a premium because of course at this at smaller scale, it's a you know it's about three times more expensive for the production side. So it's only about 20% of the cost of the cathode. So it's not, you know, a huge increase over industrial scale, mm-hmm. uh, EV scale. Um, so, you know, we looked at the numbers 
I was pleasantly surprised we can actually do this in Texas, I think, if we uh, you know, make a cathode. And, uh, and of course, other companies. There's one in the road. I, we might have heard of them, but uh, maybe they don't mention their name. <laughs> in Austin, they're, mm-hmm. they're building some cathode facilities. So mm-hmm. the economics... Okay. The economics are there, guys. And so we're, uh, you know. So I want to talk about that because with the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act, there's a mm. lot of incentives now that weren't here before for domestic manufacturing. And you can kind of layer them on depending on where you are. So there's a lot. Lots of companies are going to um, places like West Virginia, mm. Appalachia, mine, mine country for political reasons, but also like that's a target area. But so are energy communities and like all of Texas is an energy community, but definitely Houston. Um, does the IRA play into any of your plans? Well, of course we, you know, I love writing grants. And it's, uh, <laughs> right, right. You know, this is my, I'm great at paperwork. My, I got, got my wife her uh, green card and, and citizenship uh, just without a lawyer, just did it all myself. Oh, okay. And that's, that's the, the practice. And then, uh, you know, so the, yeah, absolutely. The, Bipartisan infrastructure law, mm-hmm. so the uh, DOE, huge amounts of money that they're they're putting into. So this is serious. They're serious that it's going to happen. There was, I think, uh, seven billion for cell, cathode, other component anodes, electrolyte production. You know, five billion for uh, electric buses. So for electrifying mm-hmm. our uh, school buses and things like that, and then also for five billion for chargers. I mean, this is serious investment, and so it's you know. And the thing is, China has been doing this for decades. So it's good that we're, we're, we've recognized it and we're making the decision we're going to go all in um, and we're, we're going to catch up. And the thing is, we can leapfrog. Mm-hmm. You know, we can skip the, you know, go to the next generation materials, the next generation cells, the next generation electrolytes. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a very exciting time to be in, in the battery industry. It's, um, so you're just like hitting refresh on the DOE <laughs> as they put out their FOAs and their things. And you're like, yes, yes, because there are there are so many coming out. And I do feel, I mean, like um, anything with storage and with batteries is one of their focus areas. So that is great. And, and we do need more companies like that coming to Houston because we are so focused on manufacturing as a community that we have a lot of resources. And it's great for me as a Houstonian to see um, new, cleaner types of energy companies being here so we can build up that part of our community. Yeah. I mean, the EV revolution in the U.S. is not going to ha- happen without Houston. Mm. It's, I mean, this, this is where everything is, all the chemistry is done, right? Like that's the, this is the big, the big area for that. So, uh, yes. I mean, it's a great place to be. And you, you, to find the talent to make uh, the manufacturing happen, it's got to be from here, you know. You, you can... I mean, there's there's places that people want to move to, to California and places like that. But you, where can you find process engineers that in, you know, there's how many thousands are here? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's the place to be for. Like, what about what surprised you about yeah. Houston coming from Austin? Austin is great. We'll say this a million times. It is. Um, but the great things about Houston are, are often like really surprising that people are like I had no idea or what, I just love. What's the hidden gem? Yeah. I mean, the community here is is great. I mm. mean, uh, and I had gone a lot to the Capital Factory in Austin, mm. and they've got a, a great uh, community there, and you can learn. I mean, the nice thing is they walk you as you as you you form a company and you don't know what you're doing. You're like, okay, I'm doing all my accounting in Excel, 
It's like, how do <laughs> I'm dying? I'm dying. I gotta manage a grant. Is this direct cost, indirect cost, unallowed? Yeah. You know, it, it, so you go to go to these communities and uh, you know just talk to people, and uh, you know, in a five minute conversation, you can you can get it solved. And in Houston, the community is even larger than Austin, and and they work in in fields that are, you know, how do you how do you make that actually get built? You know. Where, and so it's a very, it's a really robust community with multiple centers. And so this is what was very surprising because I didn't, we just, okay, I, all right, my wife's going down here. That's, the, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why I moved and then, uh, you know, took a leap of faith and, and, but excellent decision. I think Houston's the place to be guys and great mm-hmm. food, of course, <laughs> you know, okay. There's good barbecue in, in Austin, but if you Ooh. want full, if you want mm. uh, Chinese, if you want, uh, you know, it's got the most diversity in America, right? Uh, yeah. By some counts. I don't know how you, how do you do that metric? But if you want to have international foods, you can come to anything you want. In, how in do you Houston. feel about breakfast tacos? Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> important, <laughs> important energy transition topic. Uh, but I'm also hungry. <laughs> so... Okay, okay. I feel like that is an important part of our entrepreneurial ecosystem here. Yeah, breakfast. breakfast tacos. So breakfast you're tacos. trying to convince Jason that uh, you need to invest in breakfast tacos for the staff is what you're saying? And <laughs> this is, you have to justify this extra cost? I mean, it's, how much is that? You know, There, there used to be this uh, fantastic breakfast taco place right next to the um, embassy. Mm. No more. But what are you going to do? Um when, when you think about like your journey through here in Houston, were there, were there any things that were, that were missing where you're just like, mm, I wish this, that we had this here in Houston? Oh, so the one thing I'll complain about, if that's <laughs> what this is, this is about complaining, right? So we don't need any more lanes in, in I-10, you know, <laughs> and that, that, that transition from I-10 to 45, it's just brutal, you know, to, going south to, to UH, I had to do that every I started, I, we started our lab during the, the pandemic and, uh, you know, we, you know, we built our house in the energy cor- or bought a house in the energy corridor. So it was, I was like, oh, it's a 20 minute drive. No problem. I can do this every day. And then on Fridays, oh, um, it's like an hour and a half sometimes. And, uh, yeah. so this is my, my complaint about Houston. So let's get some mass transit here that extends out. Let's, uh, you know, let's make a walkable city guys. Yeah. When, when I was working up on, on 290, I would just go home late because I just don't want to sit in traffic and I'd rather take a nap or work. And it's just for, for whatever reason, Houstonians do find it acceptable to sometimes commute 90 minutes. And it's just like, I don't know where all the time comes from. But part of the challenge, of course, is uh, Houston's large. It's a, it's a city built for people with cars. right? And uh, when the when the roads go up, people find ways to fill them. Yeah. Right? And that's that's just a unique Houstonian challenge. Mm-hmm. Bringing it back to batteries. Yes. So also having worked on public transit in Houston, trying to get us to have more, more, trying to get us to have electric buses. Now, Metro, which runs the Houston region bus system, has started to make investments in electric buses. Very excited about that. It's been a long time. Um, many, many, many other cities have made the switch or are starting to make the switch. But one of the reasons why our community has been um, has taken longer is that Houston is so big mm. and that is hard for bus batteries. Um, Houston, mm. like the city is 670 square miles, but like Metro covers 
counties and counties and counties. It's really hot. You're in traffic. Mm. You have a lot of people. Sometimes we are driving buses through floodwaters. Like they have a lot of um, obstacles that you wouldn't have other places. Um, as you work on batteries, is that something that you think about? I know you said electric toothbrushes, which is probably the opposite of a bus. But just in the industry in general, do you see changes coming so that buses that go a really long way in places like Houston would be more, I don't want to say acceptable because that's not the right word, but like we have a low risk tolerance here because you don't want to strand people on buses. Like you don't want to have buses break down. No one wants to invest in something that can only go a short period of time. So, so like maybe said another way, like, right, like classically with EVs, there's always range anxiety. Right? It, it, with buses, it seems like there's more of a risk around range anxiety. Is are there other requirements that you're you're seeing with with kind of public transit battery systems? Yeah, I mean, so for range, you can always just add more batteries, and so that's what they do for. Um, I mean, it makes it much more heavy and more expensive, um, and you know, part of the future of battery development will be, you know, reducing nickel, and uh, once we get the cobalt out. You know, then mm. reduce nickel and then, you know, go to more affordable batteries and, you know, the range, uh, then you can have more batteries in there and it will, will cost the same, mm-hmm. you know, more range. Um, but yeah, and if distance and then also AC mm. is uh, the killer for um, that. But but to be honest, if if you have a bus system, you know the range that you're going, you have the, the schedule. So it's it can be done. It's done in other places and it just... Maybe they have have to uh, change it, but you know, three hundred mile uh, bus range uh, should be doable. You know, so it, it should be doable in Houston. Um, I mean, the early buses where they try to do, they want to do many many cycles. So this is, lithium iron phosphate is the the low energy version, and so I was I was living in Tel Aviv, and you know, Tel Aviv is very small. Mm-hmm. Nice thing is. You know the the top speed that you go there for the average speed it was like fourteen kilometers per hour because it, you know traffic is so bad. But uh, you know, anyways, you only go it's like ten kilometers north and south. You know, so if you live in those cities, those can be electrified very easily. Uh, but as long as you know the the route that you're going, you can plan it, and that's what they do, right? At the bus companies, they plan it out, and and it's part of the actually part of the development. Um, for a lot of different calls on on FOAs and things is to plan out, how do you plan out uh, bus routes in the U.S.? Mm -hmm. And I think that'll be part of it as well. And it is, you're exactly right, that it's the technological advancement Mm -hmm. because I also know Metro has been looking at this for a very long time and that they have like tested it out and said that didn't work and then they wait a little while and they test it out again. And so it's exciting that they're starting to say, hey, we actually really like this. Um, but I know our buses go a little bit more than 14 kilometers an hour and they Not go, often during these, uh, they go rush long, hour. <laughs> they can go a long way. Yeah. Um, and, and then there's also kind of like an equity component here, because if you just put them in like the downtown, like the inner, mm. the inner loop, um, air quality is one of the biggest factors in public health. And so we actually want the buses to go out into the communities. Um, and they don't even get me started about school buses, hmm. um, which is which should be electrified first. But they have kind of like the biggest cost country mm-hmm. in our public school system. And so I know that's another um, big Biden administration focus is how can we help electrify school buses? Hmm. So that will be exciting. Yeah, I had 
an engineer in Boston tell me once that a, a bus was the equivalent of a rolling refrigerator. <laughs> Not a compliment. Filled with children. But filled with, well, filled with, <laughs> well, filled with children, yes. <laughs> So uh, Laura had to go, so we're, we're going to jump back in, uh, but uh, here again with, with Evan Erickson uh, talking about uh, text power. Um, as we think about, um, you know, uh, how climate affects everyone's life, do, do you have a, a personal climate uh, story where cl climate change has affected you? The winter freeze. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us, about, tell us about how the winter freeze affected you. Yeah, I mean, actually, so everybody... Many of you have heard about the winter freeze where electricity went down for uh, over the weekend. Uh, this is freeze Yuri that happened two years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so actually we were at TextPower. We were writing a grant at the time that was due that uh, during that time. And we were able to do it through, uh, you know, getting in during the deadline. They said, and we even called the DOE and asked them to do an extension. They said, well, we can do an extension, of, of course, but it has to be post uh, deadline so mm. it has to get approved then i said okay it's not worth the risk let's figure this out mm. and so we're we're uh, all in separate parts of the city trying to uh, everyone trying to get the draft and uh, <laughs> get it going and and we were able to submit actually um but it was a definitely a a challenge mm -hmm. and uh, yeah so you know winterizing uh you know power stations is a you know an important thing uh, to do and that's part of the i guess the challenge with more and more and more extreme weather yeah because uh, that's part of the climate change is is to you know fortify uh you know all of the power infrastructure and yeah has, has it changed the way you've you've approached text power yeah i mean i actually started thinking about uh and you know solar so you can put it on solar onto mm. the and it's great incentives right now i was looking mm -hmm. at for my uh, house as well with the tax cuts so um, you know, definitely thinking about how you get your power mm. uh, and, you know, afterwards the price per, we were in some contract for like four cents per kilowatt hour and that company went under because they had <laughs> pre-priced it, yep. you know, and, and so then it, uh, now, I, now it's like 14 yeah. cents per kilowatt hour. So we went up to a, this is brutal, uh, uh, bill increase on our, on our energy and, uh, you know, we inherit we bought the building from someone and mm. there's a few tenants in there that are using it, but they didn't have to pay for power. So mm. you get, you know, in the end, uh, you know, somebody pays for it. So it's, you know, long-term planning, um, you know, definitely we, 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 as a community, we should, we need to come together and, mm. and okay, this is happening. And then the thing is in the energy industry, everybody agrees that climate change is happening and, and they all know it's coming and that's why they're, investing in the energy transition because you see the writing on the wall and and this is the way to do business and yeah. and uh you know wind power is already cheaper than than you know traditional um yeah, sources in many areas yeah. and, and solar you know has its its spots too and it's getting more affordable and you know so i yeah it's yeah uh, yeah, like we had a similar experience. Um, where Yuri, we were we were out of water and, and, and electricity for a few hours, and we made the decision to uh, put solar and, and a battery on our house because, you know, you, even though the risk of that happening every year is low, it's it's just a kind of resilience that we personally wanted to have. And so I'm sure um, uh, I know a lot of my neighbors also did the same thing. They did, like they wanted a house battery because it's it's a it's a better alternative than say a generator system. And, um, you know, that translates to demand for just 
batteries generally, be it long duration storage, be it residential storage. Um, you know, I, I think people are are realizing um, there are things they can do, you know, based on on their own climate journey to 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 improve their own resilience. Um, so I think a lot of us had that same experience here in Houston. <laughs> um, so I, I think uh, we're, we're we're getting close to wrapping it up. So as, as we're talking about climate, um, do you have uh, an, a, an extinct uh, flora fauna that you would think we got to bring this back? We can. Yeah. So my my buddy sent me a pitch deck that yeah. was crazy, and uh, it has a uh, you know for mastodon or mammoths uh, they want to you know which okay maybe it's not crazy. I mean the, the they find them with hair they got the DNA. It, it can be done, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, this would be this is really cool. When I saw this, I thought, oh god, if I if I had some free cash, I'd I'd, I'd get a convertible <laughs> note set up here. That's a that's worth it. I want to see this happen. Yeah, yeah. Would it be would it be like a mammoth that you you say that would be cool, or would it be something yeah, else? Yeah, I mean, you know, to be honest, just to do it because uh, we do have so many extinction. Mm. You know, it's a great next great extinction event is happening yeah. now, but you know anthropogenically uh, mm. caused okay what i'm trying to say words that i <laughs> i can't but so human caused yeah and uh you know so learning how to recreate an an extinct or revive an extinct animal is a, a huge skill set and mm. i don't know how you mon- make that into a company it sounds like jurassic park maybe yep <laughs> which uh i i don't know i'd pay for that too yep but, <laughs> yep. yep but yep. uh yeah um, what, what, when we talk about, I think about this audience that we have here, what is there, is there anything the audience can do to support you and your goals? Yeah. I mean, we're always looking for employees, you know, mm-hmm. we're chemists, engineers, you know, you've got our webpage is textpowerev.com. Um, we're doing, you know, actively looking out for fundraising. So, you know, contact us. We're going to, you know, help us, help us build, uh, you know, cobalt free mm-hmm. EVs in, in Texas, cool. you know? And, and if people want to reach out to you, um, should they find you on LinkedIn? Where should they find you? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. I have Twitter. I have, I have 17 followers now on Twitter, so it's a big deal. <laughs> it's I a nice prime number. Don't talk about it much, but uh, yeah. you know. That's good. My mom's one of them, so it's, yeah. I don't know. Okay. So that counts. It counts. It counts. Yeah, it counts double, actually. <laughs> <laughs> she actually reads them. It's yeah. Like, what are you saying? Um, and, and if you had some parting thoughts you wanted to share with other you know, innovators out there, what would it be? I mean, go for it, yeah. you know, whatever things that are, are, you know, holding you back, it can be scary, but, you know, you know, make a, make a plan and do it stepwise. And, you know, you've got imposter syndrome, you got something going on that's preventing you, you know, why not you, you know, and, and doing big things is just a, you know, putting it together with little steps mm-hmm. one by one. And, and it takes a long time and you'll encounter problems, but you know what? Do you really want that boring corporate job? Okay, the money money can be nice, but you know, yeah. and it helps to have a wife that also works at one of those, so you're you're financially stable while yeah. you go through the ups and downs of startup life. So I I can't speak too much about that if you're, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, but uh, it's worth it in the end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and worst case scenario, even if you crash and burn, you've gone through so many experiences, and you, you put yourself in a pressure cooker, and you come out the other end, and you've you've gain so many skills that you would never have had mm-hmm. doing a regular job. Uh, it, it's, you know, it's really a ton of fun. It's a, you know, it's a great story. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 
I'd say go for it. Go for it. All right. Thanks.